I, the handout that I gave, you'll, you'll see that it has four different categories of medical situations on Shabbos. There's emergencies and non-emergencies. Today we're going to be addressing specifically emergency situations and we're not going to cover the other three, even though there's a lot to be said about the other three, but we don't have that much time. And Ba'ez Hashem, I hope in the coming weeks on the Thursday night share, for those that call in or if you subscribe to the podcast, to continue this topic and to continue exploring what happens in non-emergency situations, how you can treat, what you can treat, what can be done, and what can't be done. So that hopefully will be the next few shurim. <clears throat> so emergency situations on Shabbos, they, they put us into a very difficult position, very, very difficult position. On one hand, Shabbos is something sacred, it's so important, and we're so careful and uber aware not to do anything. That's a chil Shabbos, not a deraisa, not a drabanan. You know, the, the slightest transgression we, we shy away from. And we teach our children from the earliest age, almost before they can speak, they know about muktzah. And on the other hand, human, human life is more important than everything else. The Chaibahem, the Gemara says, your, our mitzvah is to live to live with the mitzvahs and not to die with the mitzvahs. So there's nothing that is more important than saving a human life and even any kind of possibility, any kind of risk, even the remotest risk of human life, we're obligated, and it's a mitzvah, to be mechal Shabbos, to transgress Shabbos, and, and, and take care of the problem and, and treat the person. The, in relation to Shabbos, there's also another specific um, Chazal that says that there's another concept called Chalel of Shabbos Achas Kadesha Tishma Shabbos Harbei. It's more worth it to be Machal one Shabbos so that the person can grow and live to keep many Shabbos. So Shabbos in particular has its own dedicated halacha that you're meant to be Machal Shabbos in order to save someone's life. So when we have a sudden unprecedented emergency, we're faced with a decision. What are we supposed to be doing over here? Does this warrant Chalel Shabbos or does it not warrant Chalel Shabbos? And it's not easy to make that call. And rabbis are notoriously hard to get through to on Shabbos. <laughs> don't tend to keep our phones around. And uh, walking, walking to a, rab, a rub's house is not always an option. It's not, not practical and it's not, uh, you don't have enough time to, to, to do that. So you have to make the decision on your own and that's a scary thing to do. What does it depend on? How do you know if you're going to be doing the right thing or not? So in addition to everything else, the halachic part aside, there's also, it's very hard to see someone that you love suffer. If it's your child or a family member, a loved one, and they're hurt and they're suffering, it, it, it's, it's very overwhelming. And it makes also so much harder to, to know that I could do something or I can't do something. And that's why it's so important to try to have a very, as, as clear a possible idea of how to approach the situation because it's, it's both, both sides are, are, are unacceptable, meaning to say, when you have to be Mechal Shabbos, you have to be Mechal Shabbos, and there could be no hesitation about it. But when you're not allowed to be Mechal Shabbos, you're not allowed to be Mechal Shabbos, and that, that's also so important. So they're both, both of those are of utmost importance and of utmost, you know, we, we hold it so sacred, so that's why we get put in this situation, and... Shabbos is there, and it's overwhelming, and it's someone we love, and they're in pain, and there's suffering going on, and that's what makes it such a difficult situation. So we're going to try to clarify as much as we can 
to try to give the tools to understand how to approach the situation. It's not really possible to walk through every single case because every case is different. Mamish, every case is different. But it is possible to get a, a guidelines to know how to approach a case. There's a fascinating halacha on this issue, particularly in emergencies in Shabbos. And as far as I know, we don't find anything equivalent anywhere else in Shulchan Aruch. It says in Archaim um, and Simon Shin Chav Ches, it says that when someone has a sickness or an injury or something that is life-threatening, you're obligated to be Machal Shabbos. And someone who is swift, someone who is Zoriz, is praised, is praiseworthy. And someone who takes the time, precious time, to ask a Shailah, that's how sharp Chazal are about it. It's, it's equivalent to, to killing someone. And then it adds another thing. And this is unusual. In Mishabura, he adds to Yerushalmi. He says, the person who asked did the wrong thing, but the rabbi who was asked should also be humiliated because he should have taught this. This is his responsibility. And this is... I think the only place where we find such a clear obligation of teaching a halacha placed upon a rav, and it makes me wonder why does it take five, why did it take me five years <laughs> to have this share? That's a valid question. <clears throat> when we have the situation, we're not doctors. In Baruch Hashem, we have people in the community like Mrs. Milkovsky and Mrs. Feldman, and we have some doctors in the community, and, and if we have access to them, that's wonderful, and we can get uh, expert opinion about how dangerous the situation is, how, what, what it warrants. But other times, that's not necessarily an option, and we need, we need to judge, we have to judge the situation on our own. And let me give you a few examples of situations where there's so many different aspects to it that we're not sure what we're supposed to be doing. And this just happened recently. <clears throat> a child fell and got a cut, a deep cut on the forehead. So, okay, a deep cut is that, what are you supposed to do? What's, what, 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 does it, what does it entail? So, <clears throat> went to a doctor and the doctor said that it needs stitches. Okay, so you have to get to the hospital. How do you get to the hospital? what's the right way to get to the hospital. Once you get to the hospital and then the stitches are taken care of, there's so, the, the emergency room, they sew up the stitches. Now, how do you get home? Are you supposed to walk home, a four-year-old child? Can you take a taxi home? So here you have every aspect of the question. You have the original situation where you had a you know, confusing situation, a cut, wasn't clear if it's life-threatening or not, what are you supposed to do? Then you have to get to the hospital. You have to know how to get to the hospital. Then you have to know how to get home from the hospital because you can't sit there the whole day with a four-year-old child. That's not an option. How are you supposed to get home? <clears throat> when you get to the hospital itself, they ask you to sign things. How are you supposed to sign? Are you not supposed to sign? How are you supposed to sign? What happens if the particular situation in, at hand is confusing and you're not even sure what to tell them. They ask you, should we do this or should we do that? You can't make the decision on your own. Can you call someone to ask them for an opinion? What should I do? What's the right, right, right course of action to take? Another story <clears throat> that's someone went to the hospital and it's happened a few times in the past couple of weeks and uh, they were there and then they got discharged. 
and again, the same type of question was how to get home. How should they be getting home? Should they take, are they allowed to take a taxi home? Or can they have the nurse, you know, someone over there call a taxi for them or not? And even if they could, can someone accompany them or not? And this also made for a very awkward situation because the person who went to the hospital didn't know when they would be discharged. And if they would be discharged in the middle of the night, they didn't want to have their husband or whoever else was coming with them have to walk home in the middle of the night, 40 minutes from Holy Cross. So they told them not to come. And then it became a very difficult situation where they had to go home on their own. So the question is, yes, perhaps you are allowed to take a taxi home, but can someone accompany you? And who can accompany you? How many people? So it's also, when you're in the moment, it's difficult. And that much we can clarify in advance and give some direction about what's allowed, what's not allowed, who can come with you, how, how you can approach the situation. So let's approach these halachas with five steps. <clears throat> First, step one is we have to evaluate the situation. Is this a life-threatening situation? Is this an emergency? And what kind of emergency is it? Because it makes a difference. Is it an emergency, a post-haste emergency that time is of the essence? Or is it not that kind of emergency? Number two, we're going to address how to get to the hospital. What's the way to get to the hospital? How, how, how do you get to the hospital when you're in this situation? Number three, what can you do and what should be done in the hospital? Step four, we're going to address how to get home from the hospital. And step five, we're going to address how to prepare for potential emergencies that you're expecting. Obviously, when a person's expecting a baby. And uh, also, sometimes people are in a very shaky situation with a child and they don't know what's going to be, and you know, they know they might have to go to the hospital at, any dro at a drop of the hat, hat. How to prepare for that in advance? What kind of preparation are we obligated and should we do in advance? Those are the five things we're going to try to get through. <clears throat> so let's start with the first step, evaluating the situation. So when an injury occurs and a person or a person is sick and it's a life-threatening illness or any of the things which are life-threatening, we're obligated, as we just said, to be Machal Shabbos. It's a mitzvah, and it's interestingly, it's a mitzvah that specifically Jews are supposed to do. You're not supposed to get a non-Jew to do it. Like the Hatzalah organization, everywhere, only Jews drive to the hospital. And then when they need to drive the ambulance back, they have non-Jews drive the ambulance back. But to the hospital, only Jews. And it's Allah Shulchan It should be done, it says by um, Jewish people, Gedolim, means not children, it should be done by adults, and uh, the more hush of the person is, the better it is, because we want to demonstrate to everybody that human life is more important. We don't want anybody to think that there's any, any reason to, to doubt, any reason to, to stop and to hesitate. <clears throat> so let's, let's talk about first situations where time is of the essence. And no one should ever be subjected to such a situation. It's terrible. But let's go through a, few, a couple of cases where time is of the essence and you have to get to the hospital as quick as possible. You have to get emergency help as quick as possible. Obviously, the most, the, the, the most kind of the one you know, first comes to mind always is chest pains. <clears throat> person is uh, suffering from a potential heart attack. And it's not indigestion. It can't be attributed to indigestion. And it, it has other kinds of symptoms that indicate that it might be a heart attack. There's a fast heartbeat, there's trouble breathing. It needs emergency attention and it needs it right away. 
Some other symptoms to look out for is there's arm pain, jaw pain, nausea, shortness of breath, sweating, and chest tightness. So when it's accompanied by that kind of situation, that's, that's minutes. You have to get to the hospital as soon as possible. Another example, someone suffers from a concussion. So the definition of a concussion, I want to thank Mrs. Molkowski and Mrs. Feldman. They helped me out with this. <coughs> the, the definition of a concussion is an injury to the brain from a trauma, from a blunt trauma. So if someone hits their head and loses consciousness, someone hits their head and loses consciousness, that is an emergency situation. It's an emergency situation. You have to get to the hospital as soon as possible. Or if they have other accompanying um, nausea, vomiting, severe headache, dizziness, confusion, any mental stage, uh, status change that indicates that a real injury happened to the brain, it requires immediate attention. You have to get to the hospital as soon as possible. If a person is having an allergic reaction and they start having trouble breathing, or you see it spreading, and you, you, you see it happening in front of your eyes, also you have to get to the hospital as soon as possible. <clears throat> a person is having a stroke, and there's a key to identifying a stroke. It's B fast, B E F A S T. Um, it's B is balance, loss of balance. I is loss of eyesight. F is facial drooping. A is arm or leg weakness. S is slurred speech. And T, you have to take note of the time symptoms began. So any of those situations, you got to get to the hospital as soon as possible, obviously. Whenever that's, kind, that's the kind of situation it is, then you treat it like it's Monday. You forget it's Shabbos. You do absolutely anything that you would do on a Monday is what you do on Shabbos. You call whoever you have to call. You do whatever you have to do to take care of your other children. You call every doctor you have to call, and you get to the hospital post-haste. We're going to talk soon about getting to the hospital with your own car versus taking a taxi. Obviously, you have to get there as soon as possible. And whatever it is that's necessary to get there as soon as possible, you call the ambulance. That would be the best. They can take them. If that's, for some reason, not working, you take them. And we'll talk about taking your own car has its own complications, which we'll discuss. But you have to get to the hospital as soon as possible. You could call a babysitter? You can call a babysitter. Yeah, you do everything you need to do because you're leaving your children alone is not an option. <laughs> right? That's the kind of stuff It should be understood. You can call a babysitter, you can pick up a babysitter, all that, and that can all be done, you know, any kind of emergency. When a person's going to the hospital because of labor, when a person's going to the hospital for any, anything that warrants going to the hospital on Shabbos, it's bikoach nefesh, it's life-threatening. The babysitter's allowed to be mechal Shabbos, and whoever's helping you is allowed to be mechal Shabbos, and so on and so forth. So all that, that all, it's always included, you can do what you need to do to take care of your children. You can't abandon them, and you can't take them to the hospital with you. <clears throat> So that's important to realize. When it's a situation that time is of the essence, then you treat it as if it's not Shabbos. And that, that, that's, that's the guiding light. You know, we'll do exactly whatever you would do on a, on a regular day. That's what you do. You don't try to find a non-Jew for anything. You don't do things with a Shinoi. You just get it done. <clears throat> if the situation does not have that degree of urgency, it doesn't have the, it's not the kind of situation which requires you to act within moments, within minutes. It's something which needs to get to the hospital, it needs to be treated, but it doesn't have to happen right away. So then you have to take a couple of issues into consideration. First thing you have to know is, or, or, or at least you have to consider, no, you can't always know, but you can have to consider, can this wait till after Shabbos? Sometimes, it might be late in the afternoon, and it could wait. 
Now, now, we aren't always able to make that call on our own. And if you don't know, and you have no one that can help you decide, then go. Then you go. In Pikuach Nefesh, Sapik Pikuach Nefesh is Deicha Shabbos. If you don't know, if you're not sure, and you're reasonable, you have, you have a reasonable reason, justification to believe that it's a question that's life-threatening, you go. Sapik Pikuach Nefesh is Deicha Shabbos. It's important to realize that. But if you could find out, and I know I, I give sometimes people a rule of thumb, maybe, maybe this is not the right approach, but I tell them, look, if this would have happened during the week, how quickly would you get to the emergency room? Sometimes, you know, certain kind of situations, we don't go so fast. We don't want to sit in the emergency room all night. We try to find out from other people first and see what we can do to find out uh, if, if how, how bad is it, you know, is it, does it require going to the emergency room? So when it's that kind of situation where you would, even during the week, you wouldn't rush to the emergency room, you would first try to do what you can to find out if it warrants, you should do that as well on Shabbos, try to find out if this is a situation which warrants going to the emergency room. So first you find out, if you can, should have wait till after Shabbos. Again, if you can't find out and you think it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's worrying you, that it's life-threatening, you go. No questions asked. Um, are you allowed to do something like Google it on Shabbos to find out whether you should go to the emergency room? If that's your only option, then you can. Is, yeah. that, is that better than just going? Is that better than just going? Um, no, that, again, the, the, the process is like this. The process is, is that you do what would be normal to do, right? So if normally a person would, would try to find out well, what kind of situation this is, so they would call a doctor, right? So you call a doctor. If you need to go to Google, because that's the access you have, then, then that's what you do. You know, you, you, you do what you need to do to, to, to verify what kind of situation it is. Now, Sometimes you know, and or you're told that it can't wait. Okay, so it can't wait till after Shabbos, but it doesn't have to be treated immediately, right? So, cl classic example is that a woman goes into labor, so she doesn't have to be in the hospital in five minutes, right? She knows she's in the beginning stages of labor, and she's not the not the type that gives birth after ten minutes. You know, it <laughs> takes time. Uh, so, so you know you don't have to be in the hospital immediately, but you know you have to get to the hospital. So when that's the situation, then we are obligated to try to either get a non-Jew to get us to the hospital, or to do whatever malach is necessary to be done, or to try to, if non-Jew is not an option, to do things with the shinoi, to do things differently. And I'll explain. So again, we're talking about a situation where haste is not essential. Time is not of the essence. You have time. You have two hours. You have three hours. You, can, you have time to get to the hospital. It doesn't have to happen right away. You have the, the, the I don't call it the luxury, but you have the ability to employ the services of a non-Jew. You can find a non-Jew, explain to him, it's, and there's no hinting going on over here. You tell him straight. But you, you can find a non-Jew and, and you tell them exactly what needs to be done. And, and they can do it for you. You know, you can pull someone off the street, a neighbor, whatever it is, have them drive you, have them call a taxi for you, have them call an Uber, whatever it is that you need them to do. You, tell, you, 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 you speak to them normal. But if you could do that. Now, sometimes you can't. Sometimes you don't have access to a non-Jew. So then you have to do it. And if you do it, so you should try to do it with a shinoi. Now, I don't suggest driving a car with a shinoi. It's a bad idea. But there are some things... There are some things that you could do with a shinoi, you know, like when you need to sign something, you sign with your left hand. If you need to turn on and off a light switch, try to do it with your elbow. There are things that you can do with a shinoi that won't compromise the situation, won't compromise anybody's health or safety. And those things you should try to do with a shinoi, again, because you're not rushed. You're 
overwhelmed. It's you know, scary. It's a difficult situation. But you're not rushed. So you have the time to be able to apply your mind and say, okay, I'll do it like this. I'll do it like that. It's important to know also that if any one of these things, which is finding a non-Jew, waiting till after Shabbos, the person won't die. But there'll be another added element of risk. That also, you don't do that then. Right? Let me, I'll give you an example. Someone is in labor. And uh, they know from before Shabbos already their fluid is, is low. And the doctor says that if you get to the hospital too late, then we'll have to do an emergency C-section. Right? So those might have a wonderful rate of success. But you've just added an extra. By waiting, you'll add an extra element of risk. You'll make it from a normal delivery to a C-section. Then you're Michal Shabbos. Any added element of risk requires one to be Michal Shabbos. So it doesn't, the person doesn't have to die <laughs> to, to necessitate or to, to obligate us in Chal Shabbos. Any, any added element of risk, if you know that this, if I wait longer, there's a greater risk of infection. There's a greater risk of this, greater risk of that. You don't wait. Then you go. And then you do. So that, that's also very important to realize. We don't, allow, we don't allow any additional compromise of human life. Any. I'll get to that. I'll, I'll be getting to stitches. We'll have a, a section dedicated to that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. So are you allowed to tell a non-Jew specific instructions, or do you still have to hint? Not hint no hinting at all. There's no hinting necessary at all. You tell, when it comes to any of these situations, everything is direct. Because I could also, like, say medicines, or medicine, that isn't immediately a threat, but without taking it, there could be a second. It compounds, right. Same, so the question that, that Ms. Welk is asking is that what is sometimes medication, you can push all, let's say you're out, of, you're out of your medication. You have to go to the pharmacy to get more on Shabbos. You can wait till after Shabbos, but then it, it runs a risk. You know, you're, if a blood pressure medication, the longer you go without blood pressure medication, you're putting yourself at risk. This can cause damage. All those things are life-threatening risks. And then, yes, they, 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 do, they do allow for Chal Shabbos. Shabbos and Yantiv the same? Like, I mean, yeah. So, like, things that are less on Yantiv? Like, no, but generally, most of these things are things that are prohibited on Yantiv, and they're going to the same, to say, the same rule of thumb. Yeah. Okay. another situation that came up a couple of months ago. There was uh, someone that had a baby that was going in and out of a, a difficult situation. Constant fever. It wasn't clear what was causing the fever. Was it an infection? Was it an infection? What, what was an infection? They were very on top of the situation. And on, it was on Yantav, I believe. And the baby had very, very high fever. Very, very high fever. And they, it warranted them going to the emergency room. So now, just take a step back and let's talk about that for a minute. <clears throat> what kind of high fever warrants a person going to the emergency room? Not so easy to answer that question. I've seen in amongst the doctors and amongst the Pleiskim, they have different kind of numbers. For adults, they have one number. For children, they have another number. It's hard to know. Obviously, if you can ask 
a medical professional, if you can find someone and ask them, you know, this is the amount of fever the person had, what should I do? That's the best thing to do. If not, same story. If it's high enough that it's getting you nervous, right? If it's a child, and especially if the child, like in this case, had a past history, then obviously you're, you're Michal Shabbos, but even if not, if you're a child, you take the temperature and it's 106. Whether you ask someone or not, you're going to go to the hospital, right? So in other words, if it gets you nervous enough, if the numbers are high enough, they get you nervous enough, you go. Um, there are accompanying symptoms that can obviously indicate to you that the situation is, is dangerous, you know, when this person is very lethargic and there's differences in breathing and heart rate, you know, when you see that the fever is having an effect on other things, obviously also it's an emergency situation, you go to shop, you go to the hospital. But how do you take the temperature? And here is one thing that the, the advanced technology has worked against us because the good old thermometers, the mercury or non-mercury, are, you can use those on Shabbos without a problem. It doesn't have to be life-threatening. You can use those on Shabbos l'chadchila. But a digital thermometer is a chil Shabbos, and you can only use that if you have good reason to believe that there might be life-threatening fever. So it puts you in an awkward situation. So I suggest everybody, as soon as you're done, go on Amazon and order yourself a non-digital thermometer. They're available, less than $10. It's not mercury, they don't, they don't, it's, it's, they're some other thing, you know, it's not mercury anymore, but you can get it. Everybody should have one in their house. It just makes life so much, so much simpler. And we'll, we'll, we'll have, so you can come to the Rav's house, at least for a thermometer. <laughs> I remember I was in my father-in-law's house, also a Rav, and uh, someone who, Elena's daughter was suffering from, from, from Yanamacho, from cancer, and uh, he would come on Shabbos to my father-in-law's house when he needed to make a phone call. <laughs> he would, that, that's where he would come, and you know, I would have the doctor call him there, because it's just more convenient, so he can go straight to my father-in-law. And I, mean, I saw him there once, and I asked him, what are you doing here? He said, I need to make a phone call. <laughs> it was Shabbos, it was funny. So anyway. <clears throat> so again, so then it would have to be that you have, you're worried. The, the, the child does, really doesn't look good, and it feels very hot. And once it starts ner- making you nervous, then it might be like turning, then you do it. You know? But that, I'm just saying, you want to avoid having to ha- give so much thought to, oh, is this life-threatening or not? So that's why it's best to, to try, do, your, do what you can to avoid that. But if, if, if you're put in that situation, then as soon as you have it, any reason to believe that that might be the situation, you do it. That's what, that's, you, go, you move ahead. Are the sticker thermometers fine? The, so the sticker are also very questionable. Okay. They're very questionable. It's, it's not positive. <clears throat> so moving on, back to that baby, right? So the, the, the baby had very high, a very high temperature, and they needed to get to the hospital. So the best way would have been to go with an Uber. But there was a complication, and I'll talk about that when I get to the second section over here about how to get to the hospital. There was a complication involved, and um, we'll talk about that soon. Let's talk about now, let's discuss, discuss cuts, right, which also is a very common situation on Shabbos. Let's talk about cuts. So cuts are, are an interesting thing. Cuts, for the most part, are not generally life-threatening. They could be life-threatening in one of two ways. They can be life-threatening if you know, the person lost a lot of blood, obviously that's life-threatening. They can be life-threatening if the blood is pulsating in a way it looks like that an, an artery has been nicked or, or, or damaged. That's also life-threatening. Get to the hospital as soon as you can. But other times the bleeding is not, it's not bleeding that profusely. It's bleeding, you know, it's making a bunch of band-aids bloody, but it's not bleeding, bleeding out. And it's a cut. So over there, 
it's not necessarily life-threatening, but you have a big fear of disfiguration. You don't want to have scarring, and especially if it's cut on the face. But a scar is not pikoach nefesh. So here we have a difficult situation. You're looking at your child. They got a cut on their face. It might or might not be pikoach nefesh. And let's say you then determine it's not. You go to a, a doctor or someone, they look at it, they say, no, it's not pikoach nefesh, not going to die from this. And as long as you get to, you, have, you can get to the hospital after Shabbos, you have 12 hours, no problem. Get to the hospital after Shabbos, you'll, you'll be quick enough to avoid an infection. But if you wait that long, it's going to scar. And then you have your child going to sit here with a scar on their face their whole life. And that's very, very hard to swallow. What could you do? But you can't be Michal Shabbos. You can't be Michal Shabbos in that situation. So this brings us to the second category on the handouts, which is called Sakonas Eber. Sakonas Eber means that there is a limb at risk. It means the life is not threatened, but there's a limb at risk. So when a person has a cut on the face, that compromises the face. That the purpose of the face is to look nice. And it's a person's appearance. And a cut on the face, a disfiguring cut, compromises the face. Another situation is a person got a cut on the hand and they cut a nerve. And again, it's not life-threatening. Doctors have looked at it. EMT looked at it. It's not life-threatening. They treated it. They bandaged it even. But they said if you don't get it taken care of professionally, the nerve won't heal properly and you'll have limited use of the hand or the finger. It's going to compromise the use of a hand or a finger. That's sakanas eber. That's putting a limb at risk. That's not pikuach nefesh. You can't be Michal Shabbos. But you can do anything with a guy. Anything with a guy. Anything that doesn't involve you directly being Michal Shabbos, you can do anything with a guy. And that's important to know because in situations where it's not even that, right? Let's say it's a cut somewhere else, not on the face. It's a cut on the leg. There'll be a scar on the leg. Not the end of the world, but you, don't want, you would rather not have that. Then that's not even Pikuach Nefesh, and that's not Sakana Seber. Then you can't even ask a guy. And we'll talk more about that in the Shurim, in the coming Shurim. You know, like I said, once we move out of the emergency situations, there's a lot more to talk about, what you could, what you can't do, and that we'll have to address in, in a future Shur. But where it is putting a limit risk, you can ask a guy, and you can ask a guy to do anything that you need done. And let me, let me tell you about a case that happened. This happened in Lakewood when I was there. Um, a child, Nabuch, got his hand stuck in a door, and it partially severed the finger. So he was immediately seen by Hatzalah, and they treated the, cut, the, the bleeding, and it was not life-threatening. But the finger had to be reconnected, and it had to be reconnected fast, otherwise lose use of the finger. The only problem is that in Lakewood, there's no hospital that's really capable of, of doing that. So they needed to go to a hospital. Ideally, they wanted to go to CHAP in Philadelphia. But CHAP in Philadelphia is out of the Tchum. It's way out of the Tchum. That means you're being over an Isser. You're being over an Isser to get there. Are you allowed to do that on Shabbos? So here also, there was a limb at risk. You are allowed to do something which is not an Isser Daireisa. Not only can you ask a guy, but you, you can also do something which is not an Isser Daireisa. So here they were able to go because it wasn't an Isra min it was just a question of Tchum. Obviously, they consulted with the Rav, but that would be hard to figure that out on your own. But just to give you a, an idea of this, they were able to go in the car, because going in a car out of the Tchum is not an Isra Daraisa. So they could do that too, to, pr- to protect the limb. But if it would have required them themselves driving, they wouldn't have been allowed to do that. And it's very hard to hear that. 
it's very, very difficult to hear that. And it's very difficult to be a parent in that situation, and it's very difficult to be a rub in that situation. But th- these are the guidelines given to us by Halakha. <clears throat> Go ahead. Yeah. When you say you're allowed to ask guy to do something, it, it's, you can ask direct. Ask direct, right. At all times we're mentioning guy here, it's direct. No, no hinting necessary. Yeah. So if you could ask, so let's say you had already called that Salah. Right. Right. Yeah. And they had come, and so they can't physically drive you. Then can you call a regular ambulance service and they can drive you? you well, they can't for whatever reason. Meaning, let's say Hatzalah can't because you just said that he can't drive. Oh, you mean if it's a, if it's a, a non-life-threatening situation? Right. When it's a non-life-threatening situation. So you have to get a non-Jew to call. Right, that also, you can't call. Calling is also a Chal Shabbos. You have to get a non-Jew to call, and yes, yeah, that you can do. Yeah, or a taxi or whatever. Yeah. So is that what this liquid family did? I'm sorry? That's what they did. Yeah, they got a non-Jew to take them. <clears throat> So let's go back to that original story that we were talking about, that someone got a, a child got a cut on Shabbos, right? So a child got a cut on Shabbos, you go to a doctor or a, any medical professional, and they tell you you do have to get to the hospital on Shabbos. So if you do have to get to the hospital on Shabbos, then you have to get to the hospital on Shabbos. If you have to get to the hospital on Shabbos, ideally the best way, again, a cut usually is not a, a minute-by-minute situation. It's, you have some time to treat it. So you should try to get a non-Jew. And that means you should try to get a non-Jew to call an Uber for you, or you should try to get a non-Jew to drive you, but you should try as much as possible not to be Mechal Shabbos on your own and get the non-Jew to do whatever Chal Shabbos is necessary to get you to the hospital. And that's allowed if it's, a, if it's an emergency situation. But here's the important point. You do have to ask the person. If, if they're Jewish you know, and religious, then obviously they'll know when you ask them. But if it's a non-religious person or a non-Jew, you have to ask them when you say, does this have to be treated immediately? You have to ask them, why does it have to be treated immediately? Are you telling me that it has to be treated immediately because there's potential scarring, you know, or is it because there's a life-threatening issue here? It might, it could, there's a risk of infection. You also have to tell them immediately, I can go you know, after Shabbos, which is in six hours from now. Is that okay? You have to clarify that to the person that you're asking because then they'll give you an answer based on information they don't know. Right? They have to know that you know, for us, we want, if possible, to not have to desecrate Shabbos. And they'll respect that. They'll respect that. So it's important to understand what your question is. My question is, what's life-threatening here? How soon is it life-threatening? If you can ask it from a person, obviously that's the best, and then they, they, they take that into account. Okay, so my question is really with, with cuts that require either butterflies, some sort of reconnecting, right? right? So like, the times that this has happened to one of my children, or any children I've had to call about, I've been told, right, you have a window of like, Somewhere between six and twelve hours, just for scarring. Correct. But the, the concern that the doctors seem to have is really potential infections. So, like very often, even with my own children, I when something like that happens, I make a decision. Well, do I? Is this something I'm going to care about if it scars, or is this something that it won't scar, and I just have to watch for an infection, and I make that call because they don't always require surgery. So, are you saying that? Like, I, I want to know if scarring is the issue, if, like, potential infection. So, let's clarify. Okay, so let's clarify. Whenever there's a cut, let's, let's bring it all together. Whenever there's a cut, so you go through three steps to evaluate this cut. Is this life-threatening? Does life-threatening mean loss of blood, bleeding, 
uh, real potential infection. If it's life-threatening, it's life-threatening, and then your Mechal Shabbos as necessary. B, it's not life-threatening, then, which means you, it could wait till after Shabbos as far as infection is concerned. It could wait till after Shabbos as far as bleeding is concerned. But there will be a, a scarring problem. So then you have to know where is this cut? Is the cut on a place that is going to disfigure the face? Is it a cut on a place that's going to compromise a limb? Then you are entitled. Then you're entitled to ask a guy, not you can't do anything yourself, but you can have a guy do anything that you need to be done to be able to treat this, to, to uh, not, not compromise that limb, to save the limb, save the face, save the, the usage of the hand. But if it is none of those, then it is just a typical situation. And that, that, does, that, does, that doesn't really allow you to do too much. Again, this I'll address. The last case, what you actually could do, I'll be addressing in further shear. So can you just um, clarify, you said that you could ask the non-Jews to do anything, and you could also do any answer Durabanam? When it's, uh, the limb is at risk. When there's a limb at risk, that's correct. And so do you hold that we treat it as an Isidoraisa for ourselves. We do. So you, you do try to get a non, you would try to get a non Jew for that. So you have to go so far, let's say you call an Uber, you call a taxi, you call even an ambulance, or you show up at the hospital. Do you have to like discriminate between a Jew driving you and a Jew not driving you? I'll get to that. I'll get to that. That's a good question. That's a good question. I'll get to that. <coughs> So just on, off that point, um, you'll f- notice if you ever were treated by Hatzalah outside of Silver Spring, and, uh, you know, and you've noticed the way they treat Shabbos, they have a different set of rules. And it's important to understand that. You might see what they're doing and wonder, hey, that doesn't seem to coincide with what Robert Frank said. And that's because they are an organization. And they're an organization that is tasked with saving people's lives very, very often. And to function as an organization, they need policy. And if they don't work with policy, then they're going to have each person making their own calls and own decisions at each time, and that's going to put people at risk. So Atzala, as an organization, follows policy. And that itself is Pikuach Nefesh. So it's important to realize that what we see Hatzala doing doesn't necessarily mean what we can do. They seem to be very free to use their cell phones, very free to drive, etc. All those things is because they have to operate that way. Otherwise, they won't, it won't be a viable organization. It's important to understand that. Uh, and just to, when you said that, it reminded me that there was a case when I had already left yeshiva, but I had heard about it, where someone hurt themselves in, in the yeshiva, was out of town yeshiva, sleepaway yeshiva, so you know, no parents around or anything like that, and a boy hurt themselves, and Hatzala knew the Atala knew that it could wait till after Shabbos, but they knew this is a boy in yeshiva. He's not going to take care of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And then it, it, it didn't have that much time. It had like 18 hours to take care of it, and they were worried he's not going to do it. So they took him to the hospital on Shabbos, and that was a call they made, and they, they're entitled to make that call. So it's important to realize that. <clears throat> okay. Let's just to address the question that Mrs. Wallach asked about should you rather use uh, a Jewish doctor, a non-Jewish doctor, etc. So if it's a life-threatening situation, as we clarified before, it's actually better to use a Jewish doctor. It's better to use a Jewish from doctor. That's more l'chachila, to use a Jewish from doctor. But as, as a rule, that, that you don't really make that call. The, the, the way you decide what kind of doctor to use is the way we always decide what kind of doctor to use. You use the best doctor. And even if you're in the hospital already, and it's an emergency situation, and there's a doctor attending you, and you don't like that doctor. You're worried about their experience. They tell you, oh, I just graduated, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. So you can call another doctor, you know. <laughs> you can call another doctor. That's Bikuach Nefesh too, to get the best treatment that you can get. You can call another doctor. It can be Jewish or non-Jewish. It doesn't make a difference. <clears throat> the place where it becomes a problem is sometimes when, like we said, it's a non-emergent, it's not a not life-threatening situation, but you're allowed to use a non-Jew, right? And then you call the, the taxi driver, the Uber driver, and he pulls up and he says, good Shabbos. So you're, you're in trouble, you know, then you have a problem. Then you have a problem. And whatever. Are you required to ask? You're certainly not required to ask. And you should like, I wish Uber had a thing, don't tell me good Shabbos. Don't let me know. Don't bagel me, you know, just, just do your job. And I'll assume you're a non-Jew. Essential. That's a good question. That's a good question. Which means like this: they're going to do it anyway, so they won't drive to they won't drive to the hospital. They'll just drive. They'll keep on driving. That's their job, right? So, ideally, I would say yes. You should get another one, but I can't say that halachically you're required to because it really is making no difference. It's really not changing anything, and. If anything, you know, maybe make the person like think he's doing the right thing, you know, at least justify his driving on Shabbos. So I guess every person can try to judge that situation on their own. If they have the ability to call another Uber, then let them. But if we're talking about a non-emergent situation, you already got a non-Jew to call the Uber for you, you know, it's, it's, it's complicated. So you, know, you, you, you do as you, as you see fit. <clears throat> okay, getting to the hospital. What's the way to get to the hospital? So. We talked about before that there are situations where time is of the essence and you really have to get to the hospital as quick as possible. So you could take your own car. No problem taking your own car, but there's a big problem with taking your own car. And the big problem with taking your own car is that you have to abandon your car. Because once you get there and once you deliver the patient, there is no heter to do anything with your car. You can't park it in a legal place. You can't turn off the ignition. You can't do anything. You have to pull up and just leave it there. And that's very hard to do. It's a very difficult thing to do. And that's why it's very not suggested. This is not a halachic perspective here, meaning to say, there's nothing to, this has nothing to do with Chil Shabbos getting there. Get there, drive that car. Do what you have to do. Get to the hospital. But be prepared to leave it there. And here's the thing. You can't even ask a guy at that point. You can't even... You have to, that, that you would actually have to hint to a guy because that's just a question of saving your car. That's not saving anybody's life. That's not protecting anybody. It's just protecting your car. The Gemara says, the Mishnah says, you're watching your house burn down. You can't tell a guy to put it out. You have to hint. Really. You, can, the, you, you have to lose all, every buck that you have. And you can't even tell a guy directly to do it. So that is a very difficult situation. 
and I, I would, if, if it's in any way possible not to take your own car, do not take your own car. My, I had a friend in, in, in Los Angeles that his wife had, had an emergency situation, I forgot what it was, I don't know if it was labor-related, I think it was labor-related. So he, he was in the middle of the night and the, the taxi wasn't coming, the Uber wasn't coming, so he drove to the hospital. He drove to the hospital, he drove right up to the emergency entrance, got out of his car and left his car there. And his wife, was, they had already a stretcher waiting for her, so she was wheeled in, she was there, he was there, he was about to follow her, and the security guard holds him and says, oh, wait, one second, you can't leave your car there. So he says, I'm sorry, you know, this is the, the, our holy day, we can't drive. So he said, what? <laughs> you just drove here. So he said, yeah, well, you know, I was trying to save a life. So the security guard was alarmed, and he said, but if you leave it here, you're endangering other people. You know, other people have to be able to come. So he told him, so, so you drive it away. <laughs> and that's what he did. You know, it's not an easy situation to be in. And that's what the security guard did. The doctor was kind of ang angry afterwards at the security guard. Why didn't he just like, realize and why didn't he just take, take charge? But that's, that, that's the kind of situa situation you're putting yourself in if you take your, ha your car to the hospital and be ready to do that. Now, I mentioned before in that case of the baby that had to go to the hospital, there was a complication. And it's important to realize this. Because when you take a baby to the hospital, you need a car seat because an Uber is not going to take you without a car seat. And also there's a very, like, the very, the very you know, possibility, a likelihood that you're going to be discharged and you're going to, as we're going to talk about, you're going to have to go home. You can need a car seat to go home. So what do you do? You go with the car seat to the hospital and then you lug the car seat around with you? That compromises you. Right? You, you, you need to be available. You have to be there. The full faculties, you can't be schlepping a heavy car seat around. That's a very difficult situation, and it's very hard to know what to do. So you could drive to the hospital there, but you have to be prepared to abandon your car. So you know, that, that's, that's basically what ended up happening. And he drove, and what ended up happening was he was able to get to valet. So then the valet took over his car. That works. You know, sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. You can do that. So, but but it, it was complicated. It was complicated, and you put yourself in a minute-to-minute -minute awkward situation. Once you get to the hospital, should I stop here? Shouldn't I stop there? You know, it's it's not it's not ideal, and I don't have a good solution. I have a car seat that that turns into a stroller. That'd be the ideal solution. Everybody has that. I'm just saying there's there you it, it, and the situation that we were talking about was a situation that they were kind of expecting. So that's why I'm telling you this: that if you know that there's a possibility of something like that happening, you can prepare in advance and try to figure out a way to, to, to get around that problem. You know what, I'll, uh, I'll, we're going to finish soon, so then I'll, I'll take all the questions afterwards. Try to remember them. <clears throat> so getting to the hospital again, it's per perfectly permitted to drive your own car. You just have to be ready to abandon your car when you get there. That's why, it's, it's, as much as it's possible, rather try to get an Uber to the hospital, call an Uber, call a taxi, and get yourself to the hospital that way. Like I mentioned before, when you're going to the hospital, whether it's you know, for labor issues or for pregnancy issues or for whatever issue, you can call your doctor and you should call your doctor. Every person should always call your doctor. You should always take a phone with you. Always take a phone with you. Because you need to have access to a phone. You need to be able to call the people you need to call. Sometimes you're going to have to ask questions. Sometimes a doctor is going to want to get through to you. You, ha you should always take a phone. And ideally, you, know, you have a bag. You're taking other stuff with you also. Have it in the bag so, so you can take it with you. You have a phone with you. You can ask the, the, you know, the nurse to, to call an Uber for you so you can get home, when we're, which we'll get to soon. If you're expecting this in advance, unlock your phone before Shabbos so that you don't, have that, you don't run into that issue. Wherever you're going, doesn't have an Arab. Do you still take things with you? I'll talk about that in a moment, yeah. 
<clears throat> so obviously, if it's an emergency situation, you do. <laughs> you take whatever you're going to need. Right? I'm going to talk even if it's not an emergency situation. We'll talk about that. So <clears throat> that's, that's as far as getting to that section two. Getting to the hospital, ideally, always try to see if you can be driven by a non-Jew. If you take your own car, you have to be prepared to abandon it there. And if you know in advance, try to foresee the possi possibilities and complications that will come up so that you can, you can uh, prepare for them. Number three, what to do in the hospital. What do you do in the hospital? So if you're coming into the hospital and it's an emergency situation, you just go in, you walk through the doors, you take the elevator, you do what you need to do. If it's, an, if it's the kind of situation that's not post-haste, time is not of the essence, so then when you go in, you wait for someone else to walk in so you can follow them. You get into the elevator, you ask a guy to push the buttons for you. The same rules apply that you, you know, you're allowed to be Michal Shabbos, but if you can, you try to have a guy do it for you, try to do it with a shino, you push the buttons with your knuckles, and etc. As, as, as long as it doesn't compromise the situation. When you get to the hospital, a lot of times they want you to sign a form. If it's, they say you have to sign the form, sign it with your left hand. Do as least writing as possible, you know, and, and sign it with your left hand. A lot of times they're fine with an oral consent. You can tell them that, they, sometimes they need witnesses, but you can say, can I give an oral consent? And they might allow you to do that, and you do that, and that's fine. When a person is expecting uh, a, a baby, you can a lot of times pre-sign those forms, and you should. You should try to pre-sign and, and whatever is possible to, to uh, take care of that in advance. When you're in the hospital, if you've been checked in, then there's always this issue you want to leave and come back. So it's very interesting. When you want to leave, depending on why you want to leave, so leaving often is for personal needs, right? Let's say you want to leave because a husband wants to go down, okay? So when he's leaving, that's, that's, that's his own personal need. So he can't do anything. That's a chil shabbos. He can't ask a guy nothing. He has to leave and uh, try to find a way to circumvent. And usually you can, you know, you can... You can Use the stairs, you can avoid the, the, the electric doors, and that's what you have to do because your leaving has no, is, doesn't help the chayla at all. But when you're coming back, or if you're coming initially to the hospital to join someone, then you're coming there to help the person who's at risk, the person who needs help, so then you can ask a guy to help you with anything that needs to be helped or do it yourself if it's life-threatening. Okay? So when you're coming back to the hospital and you're there to assist your wife, you're there to assist your wife who's taking care of a child, any of these situations, you come in, you can ask the guy, you know, push the button on the elevator for me, and whatever else needs to be done. So it's important to realize that distinction. When are you doing something for the chayla, and when are you doing something for yourself? If you're doing something for yourself, then you have no dispensation. When you're doing something for the chayla, you can ask a guy to help you out. That's as far as being in the hospital. Sometimes you are in a situation in the hospital where they say, you know, we can do this procedure now, or we can schedule it later. Um, a procedure can be done on Shabbos if it's being performed by non-Jews, then there's really no difference. Let them do what they want. You know, let them do it. So if you're a chayla, you need, the, you need the treatment. Let them perform it as soon as possible. If there are Jews involved, like your doctor is Jewish, so then, then really a procedure can only be done if it warrants being done on Shabbos. And then you have to ask that question. Am I at any risk by postponing this? Is there any additional risk by me pushing it off? If they say there is, they, even if they say it's a small risk, it doesn't make a difference. A small risk is a risk. It doesn't make a difference how small it is. Small risk is a risk. And if it's at risk, then you just don't push it off. 
And if there's absolutely no risk, so then fine, then we'll do it after Shabbos. So that's, that's always the, the rule of thumb when you're given a choice when to do a procedure. A, is it non-Jews? Let them do it. If it's Jews involved, find out, is there any risk pushing it off? If there's no risk pushing it off, then you should wait till after Shabbos to do it. Now let's talk about how to get back home. So you're in the hospital, you've been discharged. There's two situations here, two, two, two cases. Sometimes you went to the hospital because of a scare. You got to the hospital and you found that everything is okay. So now you are a perfectly healthy person. You're a perfectly healthy person who happens to be stuck in the hospital. But we're going to talk about children in a minute. First, let's talk about adults. So you're a perfectly healthy person who's stuck in the hospital. A perfectly healthy person who's stuck in the hospital is a perfectly healthy person. They have no dispensation. They can't take a car and they can't drive. And they are like anybody, any other Jewish person, they get stuck somewhere on Shabbos. They have to figure out what they can do. You know, halakhically, that's permitted. You can't take a taxi. You can't call, have someone call an Uber. You can't do any of those things. If you can walk, walk. And if not, then you have to stick around until after Shabbos. That's because you're a perfectly healthy person. It's important to realize that. But what if you're not? What if you're sick? You're a chayla. You're sick, you're not well. And you went to the hospital and they treated you, they took care of whatever needed to be treated, but you're still sick. So if you're a sick person, you can, even if it's not life-threatening, you are allowed to utilize the services of a non-Jew. So you can come home with an Uber. You can come home with a taxi. You can ask the nurse or whoever it is there to call one for you, and you can go home with them. Uber, by the way, is always the, my choice because it takes care of the whole money issue. It's just such a headache to have to take care of it, to get the money and, and change and all that. It, it's just a pain. Obviously, you do what you got to do. You know, if that's your only option is a taxi, then you get the money and you do what you need to do. And if it's not life-threatening, so you take the money with, you know, a shinoi with your, between your hands. You do it without, try not to, 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 to do muksa. And you, you, you figure out ways to get the money to the driver. It's not the most difficult thing to do. But if you could use Uber, if you have Uber, it just takes care of that whole issue. So that's, that's just a, it's the most ideal way to do things. Um, I, I, one question I was asked is that a taxi was called and the taxi wasn't coming. Can you then call an Uber? So yeah, you can ask a non-Jew. If you're asking a non-Jew, and again, it's for your tariff, for a sick person, it's important not to have to wait around 45 minutes till they get home. So the, the quicker they get into bed is the better. So yeah, you can have someone then call an Uber for you or whatever it is to try to get you home quicker, but all through a non-Jew. If you're sick, you can have a non-Jew help you out. If you're sick, your husband, a sibling, a loved one can accompany you in the car as well. That's perfectly permitted, and you can plan ahead that way as well. They can help you. The same way you could do it, they can do it for you. They can, they, they can basically, they're just coming in the car and the non-Jew is driving, they can, they can come with you as well, and that's, that's, that's allowed. If you have a small child with you, so by a small child it changes the situation because a small child's needs are always considered like a chayla. So for a small four-year-old child to be in the hospital all day is not good for them. And therefore, their, their needs require that they should be home. So for a small child, you can always have a non-Jew call a taxi for you and bring you home, and you can accompany the small child as well. So again, the distinction that's important to be made about coming home from the hospital on Shabbos is, A, are you a chayla? Are you a sick person? If you're not, then you're a regular healthy person, then you stay in the hospital. If you are a chayla, if you are sick, you can have a non-Jew call, you can go home with a non-Jew, someone can accompany you. If it's a child, it doesn't make a difference, unless you know, it's right before the end of Shabbos, so you can wait. But if it's a child that really it compromises them to be in the hospital, it's not good for them, then you can have a non-Jew pick you up and take you home, and that's okay. Let's discuss now the last step, step five, how to prepare for an emergency. 
So when you know that there's a possibility of an emergency, and we'll finish with this, when you know there's a possibility of an emergency, so what should you do? So there's two situations. One is when the hospital is within an Eruv and within the Tchum, like Holy Cross is over here, and others when it's not. It's out of the Eruv or out of the Tchum, like many times in Lakewood, that's the situation. The hospital is sometimes, the hospital you use 45 minutes away on the highway, it's far. So first let's talk about our HC that's over here. And uh, the other hospitals here, all the hospitals in, the in like George uh, GW, all the hospitals are within the Tchum. There's almost never a Tchum problem here. It's always, uh, the only problem is an Eruv problem. So, so that's an academic distinction, but it's important to know. The only problem here would be that sometimes the hospitals are out of the Eruv. So what do you do? So you, when the hospital is within the Arab and within the Tchum is the best, because you can really bring anything you want to the hospital. There's absolutely no problem. You, so you prepare a bag for yourself, and you put everything that you need into that bag, and include a cell phone and unlocked cell phone in that bag as well, so that you have the cell phone with you. You should always have a cell phone with you whenever you have to go to the hospital, because you always are going to need it. <laughs> that just always, that always is what happens. So you, you should always have it with you. And uh, when you're preparing to go to the hospital, you should always, also, you should, I'm sorry, you should also prepare a number of things to keep in mind, which is, and this is even if you're going on Friday, you should keep in mind that you might be there on Friday and you might be admitted and you'll need to light Nehru Shabbos. How do you light Nehru Shabbos in the hospital? When they give out those, the little things from Bikr Cholim, those aren't, not really Mekayim and Mitzvah with those. They're symbolic. <laughs> They're nice. But you're not Mekayim and Mitzvah with those. So if you can get a hold of an incandescent flashlight, not so easy to get a hold of, but you can order that together with the thermometer. <laughs> Everybody should have an incandescent flashlight. I have one also. I've lent it out many times. You know, for, it's another service I offer. <laughs> yeah. So you can take an incandescent flashlight and you can actually make a bracha, Nehru Shabbos on that, and then turn it on. And that's one thing, that, that's a good option to take along with you if you know, you're, you're expecting that. You have to have two? You don't have to have two. You can do one. Yeah. You don't turn it off? That's right. You turn it on, make the bracha, and then you let you. So I suggest to people is like, you know, if you're in, if you're checked into a room, so then you put it in the closet, and then you can close the closet door, so it doesn't keep you up at night. You have that option to do. So that you can, that's what you can do to take care of that. You should have food and, and everything you need for Shabbos should be in that bag. So that's all. If it's within the tchum, there's no carrying involved. What about if it's going to be out of the tchum, or there is going to be carrying involved out of the eruv? What do you do then? So here, there's there's one of two things. Ideally, the best way to do things is that you can prepare the bag as regular, what you need, and then have the Uber driver, well, here there's an Arab, so here you can put it into the car, and then when you get there, have the Uber driver to ask him to take it in for you. Again, you don't have to hint, it's an emergency situation, just ask him, can you please bring it in? This, you know, I don't know how much ability you'll have to assess the situation, but if they, let's say, drive you to the emergency check-in and it has a huge overhang, you know, like a lot of times they have that, almost always, the emergency check-ins have this huge overhang, so then you can carry there. You're within, then you're within the confines of the hospital. If the hospital's surrounded by a gate, you can carry there. I, I don't know if anybody will have the ability, the, for, you know, the wherewithal to realize, like, to start assessing the situation, can I carry, can I not carry? So regardless, the best thing is to ask the driver, just please carry it in with me, and then they'll be happy to do that. You know, and the money also, if you're not doing Uber, have the money in the bag so that the guy can take the money and, you know, and you're good to go. Prepare money for the way back also in case you might be discharged. <clears throat> if the, 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 wor the, the, the most difficult situation is where you are going to have to either drive yourself or 
um, you're going to have to carry it yourself for whatever reason. So then we need to try to limit Chol Shabbos as much as possible. And when that's the case, you can only take what you absolutely need. What is it that you absolutely need? This, this is, in, I found over here in Silver Spring, Greater Washington, that almost never is, and it's never Nagea. In Lakewood, it was always Nagea, very, very often. Uh, you know, relevant. But over here, it's almost never, you almost always with it. it it's, it, it's never a situation that you get stuck like that. Almost never. But should you be somewhere else? You're in the mountains, right? Yeah, let's say you're, you're, on a, you're on a vacation somewhere in a cabin. You, there's no Uber, there's no taxes, there's no nothing. You have to go drive to the hospital. You have a choice. You're out of the area and you're out of the tchum. So you can only take along with you what you absolutely need. Now, a cell phone is something you absolutely need. Um, an immediate uh, food that you are going to need just to, you know, to make it through the day is a need, and food for the person that's accompanying you. Because again, if it's an emergency situation, everybody has to ha have to have their head on. And if you're going to be starving, you don't have your head on. So food for them is, as well is, is an immediate need that can be taken along as well. So those, those kind of things, you can, you can you know, make the judgment and, and take with you. But otherwise, when, once it's, it's that situation, then you, know, you have to limit what you take with you. But again, it's rare. It's rare that that should happen. So let's see if we can summarize what we said here really quickly. We talked about five steps. We talked about number one, evaluating the situation. Evaluating if it's a life-threatening situation, what kind of life-threatening situation is. Is it a time is of the essence or not time is of the essence? If time is of the essence, you do what you need to do. If it's not, then try to have a non-Jew, try to do a shinoi, try to do something different to limit the Chil Shabbos. We talked about <clears throat> um, identifying each situation understanding, does it have to be treated on Shabbos? Is this life-threatening? Is it just a, a, a risk to a limb? Is it not a risk to a limb? When can you ask a guy? When can you not ask a guy? Then step two, we talked about getting to the hospital. Ideally, the best way to get to the hospital is not to drive yourself because you have to abandon your car. So if you have that option, try to avoid that. Number three, what to do in the hospital. We discussed that when you're trying to help the chayla, then your mechal Shabbos is necessary. If you can ask a guy, you ask a guy. But when you're helping yourself, then you have to avoid any kind of chal Shabbos. We're asking a guy. Uh, you can sign the forms, try to sign them with your left hand. I didn't, one thing I didn't address is getting medication, but basically the same rules apply. If the medication has to be started on Shabbos, if the medication, waiting with the medication will put you at risk, it, it uh, allows for Chol Shabbos. Again, if you can get a non-Jew to help you out with that, then you should get a non-Jew to help you out with that. If you can't, you can do it yourself. I know that Dr. Broth here has some kind of arrangement with CVS where you know, he calls in the medication and then they let you just pick it up and they sign for you. So you, know, you can, you can uh, investigate that when should it come up. It's, we, we've done that in the past. Um, how to get home. You, if there is someone who is sick, if you're perfectly healthy, then you need to wait it out. If you are sick or if it's a child, you can go home. Someone can go home with you with an Uber that's been called by a non-Jew. And lastly, prepare in advance when you're expecting an emergency. See to it that you have a bag prepared that has everything that you need, including a cell phone. And you know, have that, make sure that cell phone is unlocked. Prepare for the eventuality that you might be there for Shabbos. Have Nero Shabbos prepared. And uh, hopefully we should all never have to experience any emergency situations in which we'll all be healthy. Amen.